Welcome to the Sound Advice Podcast. Normally I'm sitting behind the scenes, but I've come to the forefront. It's Matthew Clark, I'm the Marketing Manager at Ballards. In the room today, we have Sean Devlin, who's our IT and Digital Transformation Partner. And we're joined also by a special guest, Bao Sayan, who's our Senior Executive in the IT and Digital Transformation Department, who specialises in cybersecurity. Bao, do you just want to give a bit of background about yourself and give us an intro? Yeah, no problem. Um, yeah, Bao Sayan here. I've got about 25 years worth of experience within the IT landscape. Not just focusing on cyber, but working with senior leaders, building out strategy and building out that all-important roadmap for their cybersecurity journey. So hopefully I'll give you some really good insights today and I'm looking forward to it. So nice one, Matthew. Awesome. Yeah. Hi, Matthew. Hi, Sean as well. So this is your first time on the podcast. Can we just get a bit of a background on what you like to do personally and, you know, any interesting facts about yourself? There's nothing interesting about me, Matthew, as you could probably tell. But no, I enjoy cycling, apart from not getting hit by a van, which I stopped probably about a year ago. But I'm enjoying it uh, if I can get back onto it again. So yeah, cycling's one. Keeping up to date with new technology news is always a must for me. So it's always been a passion of mine. Right. So um, we're on the podcast today to talk about cybersecurity. So, Bao, could you just lead us in? What are some challenges that businesses are facing in 2024 in terms of cybersecurity. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, sure. No problem. Well, there's quite a lot to be fair. If we just have a look at kind of the SME market at the moment, they don't have the resources. So that means they don't have dedicated roles for people to undertake some some of that cybersecurity undertaking. So they're not filling it all, all the time. So they go out, they outsource it to other companies. The problem with that, often the case is, as we've found, it's one of our jobs at Ballard's here to kind of jump in and kind of oversee some of these projects, is that they don't give everything the due diligence that it needs. They are often one-stop shop service providers that kind of cater for the many rather than the few, and often they have gaps in their services. So I can see that being quite prevalent going forward, and it's been, it's been the case in the past as well. So we kind of do a lot of mop-up operations with that as well. So myself and Sean on are often drop shift into these kind of organizations to kind of take a, a more holistic approach, uh, a bird's eye view, rather than what some of these providers do. That very, very kind of, you know, I'm only going to look at 365 or Google, for example, but completely ignore other systems that they have. So that's one thing that I've often seen is just not the resources in those small to medium organizations. Another one is kind of identifying those risks. So if they're not able to identify the risk or understand what their risks are, I see that as a massive problem. What do you need to kind of put towards your strategy to mitigate those risks? How do you budget for those kind of things? It's always something that's a problem for all small, you know, all medium-sized businesses, really. So it's something that we can help with as well. So I see that not being able to pull that strategy together for everything as a big problem. One of the other ones is, and it's the biggest one, it's just the the attackers, the vectors of trying to get to your data and pull that information out from you as a business and as well as an individual is growing. It's vastly growing exponentially with new technologies, with new ways of using AI, for example. It's really, really scary. 
So I don't know if you've got kids, but one of the things that I found really scary is kind of using AI to mimic the kid's voice in saying, right, I need to have your personal details, for example, to send some money. So if I get a call from, you know, what I think is my daughter, but it's just AI behind the scene saying, I need to get uh, some money. Can you send me some money, dad? Well, I'll probably send the money. So those are the kind of things that I see within the, you know, the cybersecurity landscape. Those are the quick top threats that I can think off the top of my head. There are a few more that we can go into, but I think I'll cover those, I think, as we go along. I was reading a um, ballad, I don't know if you said it, I was reading a um, the cybersecurity breaches survey that recently came out. It was quite interesting reading. They were saying on there that over the last year that 39% of UK businesses have experienced at least some type of cyber attack. And of those, 21% have been sophisticated cyber aggression attacks. And to me, that was quite an eye-opener of how big the problem actually is. And I think reading the report a bit further, it's like, it's not just the risk of data loss and financial loss that's obvious to most people. It's also that damaged reputation that you, you can get from a business from a, a successful cyber attack. Absolutely. It's quite scary out there, isn't it? Yes. So one of the other stats I was looking at the other day is from the same report, Microsoft Defense Report, sorry. They've stopped 4,000 identity attacks per second that that's sinking for you. Every second, 4,000 identity attacks. Now, if we kind of relay that a, a younger audience, let's just say kind of, if you think about kind of Instagram or something of that age, that's one of the most common things that we're now seeing, that people's Instagrams being hacked. You imagine all your personal details being taken away from you from that. And then what they try to do then is that they use those details to send to your your friends. You know, they impersonate you. It's, it's, it is quite scary, yeah. And that's all on the increase. So if we segue now into how these cybersecurity issues are affecting UK businesses specifically, um, is there any information that can give on that or highlight any? Yeah, what I'll do is I'll give you three types of exploits. So if I go through them, and what I'll do is I'll map those back to kind of things that have actually happened in the news. And we'll take it down that way. So yeah. let's go through the first one. So the first one was an exploit. What an exploit means is that you take advantage of something. So hackers would take an advantage of something within the code and they'll just keep hitting it. One of the things I would say is if you had, let's just give you an example. If you parked your car at a petrol station, left the engine running and left the door open, went in to pay for something, and then somebody comes in and then nicks your car, it's not the car's fault. <laughs> but say that, you know, you've left the car door open, but that's kind of an exploit that could be taken in some of the software or some of the access within the system. So one of the examples that I've got here is a hacking exploit that was taken, I think, in June of last year. Quite a large organization. They specialize in kind of file transfer. So you can imagine you want to use file transfer to move your data from one place to another, and they were hacked just by using an exploit. So that was Move IT. They had, well, they lost about 15.5 million details of individuals just by people having, just having an exploit within the system and some clever person somewhere taking advantage of it. So extracting all that information. So that's where something isn't being patched or up to date. A good example of that is Microsoft. 
They've got Windows Defender. That's installed on millions and millions of computers. In November of last year, they notified a, an exploit. They went and patched it. Unfortunately for them, it got reversed engineered and all that data was pulled back out again so they could exploit it even more. So that goes back to what we were talking about earlier, making sure that your machines are all up to date and you're secure. And if you don't do that on an ongoing basis, well, you're leading to more exploits that could potentially happen on your system. So that's one example on exploits. The next one is ransomware. So ransomware is when someone creates a piece of software, a piece of software is used to um, grab information, encrypt, cause some damage internally, extract it offline, and then it's used against you. So a lot of schools, a lot of public organizations, a lot of businesses have actually been in the position where the data have been taken off from them and it's been ransomed back to them. It's an incredible ecosystem that these uh, attackers have got. You know, I could set you up now, Matthew, with a couple of attacking profiles now and an escrow service. So all you do is that you pull out the ransom, you pay the attacker's ecosystem 10% and you keep the rest of the money. What a great deal. Yeah, it's interesting that all those tools are there, uh, that people can take advantage of them straight away. So you don't have to be an attacker yourself to kind of just buy this ransomware, chuck it out into the wild and some unfortunate person somewhere is going to click on it, download it, and it's going to encrypt and it's going to rip through the entire system as much as it possibly can, encrypting it all so you can't use it. So if we go, if we revert back to a UK business, that's devastating. I can only tell you that's taken weeks and weeks of work to get up and running. Now I get drop shipped into those situations on a regular basis. So I have to pull a team together that can A, stop the threat, pull in a a separate team that can actually then start building or rebuilding the service. Now, the problem there is if their backups all get encrypted as well, what do you go back to? So not only do you have no systems to use, but you can't go back to anything. Now you've got time and money being spent in personnel just stood around doing nothing. And often in some of these cases, it's take a week, you know, or two to get back up and running. And even then... You've lost God knows how many days worth of data. That moves on to the next question now then. So what are the common mistakes UK businesses do make and what are potentially some of the solutions that they can do to kind of check themselves from making some of these mistakes? Yeah, so one of the things that we've got at the moment is the proliferation of uh, different systems. So you've got on-premise systems, cloud-based systems, and often what they don't do is, is kind of do their own due diligence on each one of those. One of the risks for each of those applications, have they got a good contingencies plan to build that up? Have they got MFA? And you'll hear probably MFA being talked about a lot. MFA is multi-factor authentication. So it's a challenge. You put in your password, uh, username, password, and then you'll challenge for another completely separate system to prompt you to get in. And often the case when I go into these places, they'll have MFA switched onto one, but not the other. So there's not always what I find when I go to these systems, a good level of consistency. So that's one of the big problems that I've got that. And lack of awareness. So if the senior leadership team are not aware of these issues, your staff are not aware of these issues, they're not aware of these phishing attacks that are coming into your 
organizations, you don't stand much of a hope really. So for me, I'd like to kind of do these kind of training sessions with my clients where I kind of start from the personal side of things. What what looks good that you should be doing at home? For let's just say your Instagram, your Facebook accounts, depending, you know, pick your social media application, whatever it may be. Uh, and then work back from there and kind of relay what that means to what your business does as well. So if you're not really doing good hygiene at home in terms of cybersecurity measures, you're not really doing from work as well. So I'd like to kind of blend the two together. So yeah, staff awareness, and obviously business is not giving the training. So that's another one to look out for. I think that, that human point you point on there, Barry, is um, really important. So I was speaking to um, a guy at Tech Week last year, and um, he worked for one of the, the top cyber protection software in the UK. And he was saying that still to this point, the weakest point in the business are the people there. You can put in a lot of protection. You can put in firewalls. You can put in software to protect, to stop attacks. But your biggest risk is someone within that business doing something that they shouldn't do, be that clicking on a link that they shouldn't, be that plugging in a infected USB key, be that typing in their information into a website that's not the website that they think. So that education piece, I think, is really, really important. And I think no matter what software and prevention that we put in place that that education piece is key to any kind of cyber security strategy i would say absolutely agree and uh, it, it all starts from there without without that knowledge you don't really move forward i've been watching a series lately slow horses i believe it's called and uh it's mi5 and one of the agents actually loses their encrypted laptop on a train and there's a, a whole bit about them trying to kind of can regain this laptop but in real real world talk you know, if a business loses personal business data what what do they they do and if that data gets accessed by hackers or the wrong types of people what what can they do really to kind of shut that down and safeguard themselves against potential attacks or attacks going further funny you mentioned that so do you know 23 and me yeah. Have you heard of that DNA service? Yes, I have, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so if you want to find out your ancestry, you kind of, they send out this kit, you know, you do whatever you need to do on it and you send it back to them and they kind of transfer, you know, trace your ancestry back to it. So they had a data leak. So this data leak isn't kind of something that you would have, let's just say, um, a particular hack of salt. This is something that's happened internally as yourself. And Sean has mentioned earlier, so they've let slip quite a lot of information. Look back. Imagine your DNA information being widely put out into the into the ether. Uh, again, very, very scary stuff. So their data's been put out there. Somebody has picked that data up and now they are posting it online and using it, you know, at twenty three and me to try and get some money out of it. So I think there's probably about four million genetic profiles of the wealthiest people um these are british ones by the way that have been leaked that's pretty dangerous isn't it so all of their kind of dna stuff's been leaked out to the public but what's the consequences of that so let's just think about right i've lost all this data what do i do well here in the uk you've got to report that to the ico all the senior leaders have got to know this you got sent to two hours to report that to the ico so that's one of the things that you'd have to do. So one of the things I would be working with is kind of 
making sure you've got that you're aware of that as part of the kind of being dropped into some of these situations. Uh, contact it, well, letting the uh, business leaders contact the ICO and then pulling together a kind of a, a mitigation plan or sorry, a risk plan. What are our risks? What's been gone where? We need to identify how that risk, I'm sorry, that leak has happened. What are the potential aspects of that? The worst, worst thing that we've had is we just don't know. I mean, that's the worst situation. You don't know how that leak's happened and that can lead to all sorts of other problems because you've really got to start from scratch. Not to mention potentially your whole system's down as well. So not a great situation. But I think going back to your um, quest earlier, Matthew, about someone leaving a, a laptop on a on a train, I think it's, it's all about that risk mitigation. Mistakes will happen. People will lose equipment. No matter what yeah. you do, people will leave equipment. They'll leave it on a train. They'll leave it in a pub after a few pints of work, after work. It's these things happen, but it's about us working with businesses to work out right how do you mitigate that risk. So it's going to happen. So that's about putting multi-factor authentication on the devices. That's about encrypting devices. It's about the education piece. It's about how you mitigate those risks when those problems do happen. And also, it goes back to that education piece as well. You could have the most secure of laptops encrypted to the hell but if someone's also printing out that information and putting it in the laptop bag with the laptop and then that goes missing there's your biggest risk there and that goes back to that whole cyber education piece mm. yeah with people being the, the biggest risk if they're walking around with uh, password and personal information on a piece of paper yeah so we we kind of start with people in the process really that's where we start from everything and the other thing is kind of what organisations don't do really and that's kind of cyber accreditation to kind of help manage those controls and you know really just make sure that the business is doing the right actions to get those to get their business in shape and do it on a regular basis so one of the other biggest issues that we didn't speak about is once you've fixed those things often what happens is from the senior leaders is oh we've done a scan we've done this and they stop Cybersecurity is an evolving thing you can't just go right i've done one big exercise and just leave it we need to you know, keep continuing to improve that process. And that's something that I've noticed quite a lot of organizations not do is continue to evolve their cybersecurity posture. What are the solutions that you, you'd recommend businesses do to kind of ensure they are cybersecurity compliant? Yeah, so for myself, I would work to some kind of cyber accreditation that should be Cyber Essentials, NIST, 27001, those are the kind of main kind of accreditation services that I would be looking for. The reason why I say that is because it just gives you some good advice, good hygiene things that you should be doing on a regular basis. Those items are also renewable as well. So those are things that you, you need to keep up to date and you need to manage. It kind of enforces the business to say, right, these are these controls, these measures that we need to put in place are something that we need to keep an eye on on an ongoing basis. Without that kind of maturity put into the organisation, you don't really go any further, really, and you're not too sure what you should, what you shouldn't be doing. So with all those three different cyber accreditations, they help a business understand what their risks are, what's important to them, and it kind of guides them in a way that they're going to start taking cybersecurity more seriously and start to kind of either put some budget aside, start planning a strategy for it uh, within their roadmap 
to start managing their risks better. Uh, all interesting stuff. Thanks for that, Bell. Um, so we've spoken quite heavily about cybersecurity, what, what potential risks businesses face. But going forward, what kind of trends do you foresee for cybersecurity going forward? Yeah, that's a good point. So we mentioned it already, AI for good and bad. So the good bits are we'll probably use AI to help simulate some of the user errors or user trends. So, you know, instead of getting like thousands of people to do something, you can get AI to kind of mimic that. Therefore, you can get to solutions quite quickly. That's one. The bad, we've already mentioned, using voice, video, deep fakes. You can see those on the rise. Some scary stuff, actually. So that's one thing. I also see something called zero trust. We did not mention zero trust within this, and I think it's incredibly important. Zero trust is the principle of not trusting anything in the organization, whether it be internal or external. So you don't trust anything. It has to go through a couple of layers of authentication before it actually allows you access to something. So I see that being one of the things that are going to continue to increase and that more businesses should be doing. What I would love to see is kind of more the compliance side of things. People, oh, sorry, businesses going towards more of the certification, going down Cyber Central, NIST 27,001, looking for those qualifications. I think that's going to be a must in the future. And I appreciate, you know, some of those, you know, some qualifications, the insurance, we're always a little bit behind the times. But I see businesses using that more to kind of protect themselves from cybersecurity threats and be more, you know, more due diligent on their side of delivering safe and secure services, not only for themselves, their staff, but also to vendors and their clients as well. I think for me, the cyber attacks are only ever going to increase. The amount of attacks and the complexity of attacks are always going to be increasing. I think what we're seeing as well in recent times is the different types of businesses that are also being targeted. Sometimes people make the mistake of thinking it's only the large corporates that get targeted by cyber attacks, but that's definitely not the case. There's lots of small, medium-sized businesses being targeted, often because they're an easy target, because they don't have some of those protections in place. I mean, that cybersecurity breach survey that I talked about earlier, it said in there that 26% of charities have had a cyber attack, and people will sometimes think, well, charities what's the risk of the charity there? But it's also that person information and it's that type of business. So cybersecurity affects all businesses out there. It affects all sizes, all sectors. And I think that's something that's only going to increase. Absolutely. Just one last thing for me, following on from what Sean was going to say, kind of goes in hand in hand, is that I see more of these cyber roles. We spoke right at the beginning that small businesses do not have the resources or the kind of the security lead that often larger organizations have. I see that becoming more prevalent in smaller organizations as well to help bridge that gap. And one thing that we do at Ballard quite well is kind of interface with our clients. So we, uh, myself in particular, kind of help organizations build that strategy and that roadmap to mitigate against cyber risks. So that's one thing that we can definitely help with. And I can see smaller businesses take it on in the next year. Yeah, and I think where small businesses don't have that budget for that full-time lead, what we're seeing is more and more fractional cybersecurity experts. It's an area where Bell does a lot of work helping businesses on a 
on a fractional basis, on a part-time basis, getting that expertise into those smaller and medium-sized businesses. We'll have an argument about whether it should be fractional or virtual at one point. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a nice a nice wrap-up there. So, Bell, where can people get in touch with you? Uh, have you got any contact details that you want to share on this podcast today? Yeah, no problem. I'm on LinkedIn, so you should be able to find me at Baljeet uh, Cyan. Ballard, if you pop that in, I should pop up straight away. Email address is baljeet.sign at ballardllp.com. More than happy to take your queries and help you on your journey. And Sean, is it the, the usual? Yeah, usual. So sean.deblin at ballardllp.com. Thanks for your time today, and I will undoubtedly uh, catch you on the next one. Cheers, Matthew. Brilliant. Thank, Thank you. you, Matthew. Thanks. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.